Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. A lot of energy here this morning, which is great. Defy the winter. I joke all the time, Canadians don't think this winter, they're out searching for the sunscreen, eh? I'm about to leave the house, I need to put on the SPF 50, it's 16 degrees outside. Well, this is uh, launching our new series, Rumble Strip, and I didn't realize I needed to do this, but it's become aware, uh, i become aware that I, so if you didn't know, that's fine, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand in critical when I say this, but what a Rumble Strip actually is. So if you didn't know, that's fine, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up and display your ignorance. Uh, I will just simply tell you and you'll go, oh, and then from now on you pretend I need it all along. So on the highways, most parts of the world, including Perth, there are along the edge little kind of, and when you drive along them, I don't know what they're called, but they're little, and when you drive along them, you hear and you get a free massage, okay? An in-seat massage. So that is a rumble strip. Capiche? We all there? All right, good. It's very important to launch a series with everyone actually knowing what that mm, rumble strip, I don't know. Any Disney fans here? This one you can admit to. Any Disney fans? Any Disney fans? I, I would have thought there'd be a few more than that because Disney actually has quite a wide catalog of things appealing to many generations. But what's one of the things that's fascinating to me about the Disney, which could only be described as a phenomenon, is that it began with a guy named Walter Elias Disney getting a one-way ticket on a train from Kansas City to Los Angeles with two things, 40 bucks in his pocket and a vision in his heart. And from that very, very humble and actually unlikely starting point, the Disney phenomenon began. And it wasn't easy for him, and I've read many biographies and and watched many documentaries. The first years of of his uh, time in in Los Angeles were very much on a a, a knife's edge as to whether he would actually even be able to to continue just paying the bills for his own life and and, uh, and career at the time. But a couple of things happened that that were game changers for Walter Elias Disney. The first one was uh, the change from uh, Mortimer the Rat to Mickey Mouse. And uh, Walt realized, um, we all know this now, having watched several mafia movies, that nobody likes a rat. But it took him a few years, and when he finally figured it out, this was a thing. And Mickey Mouse, we all know, is a big deal. Disney theme parks around the world are often referred to as huge people traps run by a mouse. And uh, you have to think about that. The other game changer was Snow White. And uh, Snow White was... uh, created back in 1937, and you have to just think about this for a second, every single frame of this animated movie was both hand-drawn and hand-colored. Sounds like a job for somebody else. And it went on to be the highest grossing, talking movie of its day. It was only eventually knocked off that perch by Gone with the Wind. That was the era that it was in. But these two game changers injected uh, funds into the Disney organization and also into Walt's own life. And one of the first things he did was he actually bought a house for his parents in North Hollywood and he moved them from Oregon where 
the sun never shines down to West Hollywood where the sun doesn't stop shining and uh, moved him into this house. And one day he got a phone call from his mom and she said that she's smelling something in the house. Something just smelled a bit off and she didn't know what it was. And so he sent out the Disney maintenance guys to check it out and they went to, to the house and they kind of diagnosed that it was probably like the furnace wasn't, hadn't been installed correctly. So they kind of, kind of jerry-rigged it a little and she did their thing and, and left expecting having solved the problem. The next morning at uh, Walt Disney's parents' house, the maid went in to do her thing and she smelled something a bit off and she walked into the bedroom of Walt's parents to find them both unresponsive. And she ran outside and caught her breath and she was able to eventually drag both of them out of the house and out in, into the front uh, yard and the um, medical responders came and unfortunately they weren't uh, able to revive Walt's mum and they... Uh, were uh, able to revive and, 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 and attend to his dad and, and the maid. But it's, you know, it, it's a thing. And what, what had happened is that the, the carbon monoxide had been leaking through the house. And the trouble with carbon monoxide is it's both invisible, and even though it can eventually sort of start to smell, it's not initially very evident. And so back in 1939, which was the year that this took place, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a pretty sad story, but it's not entirely surprising that something like that could have and ultimately did happen. And now, in 2019, this should never happen. Because in 2019, here in Australia, you can roll down to uh, the local Bunnings. Now, I'm not sponsored by Bunnings, at least not yet, but I'm open to it. Uh, you can roll into your local Bunnings and you can buy a carbon monoxide detector for just $43, and you can self-install this, or if you're like me, don't. Get someone who knows what they're doing uh, to install it. And what this will do is it will provide early detection of the presence of carbon monoxide in your home so that you will never have to ultimately experience the same fate that Walt Disney's parents found. And then this makes perfect sense. And yet, here in Australia, every year, people still die of carbon monoxide poisoning because they hadn't put the relevant warning tools in place that would have actually prevented them from dying from carbon monoxide poisoning. Because here's the thing we know about carbon monoxide, and here's what we know about a lot of things in life. Early detection allows for correction. And this Rumble Strip series is all about God offering early warning signs to us that we might be going a little bit off course. And if we don't heed the warnings, if we don't respond to and course correct, then there's actually impending danger that God doesn't want for us. And you don't even want it for yourself. And that's the beauty of a loving God is that he actually puts correction in, founded in love, motivated 100% by unconditional love for us and wanting his best for us. And when our lives not heading in that direction, there's a rumble strip. 
And what we're going to do, if you've got our Elevate app, you can tap on the Bible tile, and it's going to take you to a letter that was written to the church in a place called Ephesus. And we're actually going to stay not just in the letter, but actually in just in one slice of that letter. It's in the, the, what, what we call the book of Ephesians. It's not a book. It was a letter. It's written by a guy named Paul to, to the church in, in, in a place called Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was one of the major port cities of its day. In the, the first century, the Roman Republic was very much uh, in, large and in charge at that time. Um, Paul had gone there to start preaching about Jesus. And it was a very impressive city. In fact, at the time uh, of, 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 its, of its peak, it, it had a temple, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world called the Temple of Artemis, or the Romans had renamed it. Italians, they like to do things their own way. They'd renamed it to the Temple of Diana and made it a place of worship for, for their sort of number one god, the goddess Diana. And, and by uh, rebranding it to be a temple for the worship of the goddess Diana, a whole industry came up of silversmiths who would make little souvenirs of little sort of, you know, busts of little silver busts of Diana. And, and what would happen is that anybody that was going there, there's a port city, big trading port, you were expected to buy one of these little kind of uh, silver uh, trophy souvenirs and take that back to your family. It was kind of like, you know, 10 years ago, if you went to Sydney, you had to come back with a tray of, of Krispy Kremes. Back then, you had to get a little thing of Diana. And Paul stayed in Ephesus for three years. It was the longest he ever stayed in any of the places where he launched the church. And this church grew, and people were following Jesus in such numbers that the sales of the Diana souvenirs started to plummet. So the silversmiths got together <laughs> and asked the authorities to actually run Paul and his cronies out of town. Because he was bad for business. And so that's exactly what happened. The Roman authorities stepped in, removed Paul. And uh, so he eventually got put in prison. And it was from prison that he wrote this letter back to the church that he launched, but the church that he'd effectively been run out of by the local authorities. Now, before we get into this letter, I just want to give you a little heads up. This letter has now, the way it's been sliced and diced in the Bible, has six chapters. And what I'm going to invite you to do is read those six chapters. This is going to be a four-week series. So here's a couple of pro tips. You could either read a chapter a day for six days and rest on the seventh. That's very biblical. You might want to read those six chapters in one version and week two switch to a different version because different versions have different nuance and God will bring out different emphases and you'll see things you didn't see in week one and so on and so forth. You can do that. That's like the pro move. That's like the super spiritual move. If you do that, don't tell me. I'm not impressed. But do it anyway. If that's a bit too much, you're like a chapter of the Bible a day. Man, that's going to really eat into my Instagram scrolling. All right, I get it. Here's a little math for you. You can read five verses a day starting tomorrow. And I think it's about that when we get to the end of week four, you will have gotten through the whole six chapters. So, you know, there's the pro version. There's the rookie version. No judgment. Either way... I encourage you to read it. And when you read it, what you're going to discover is it's essentially, Paul essentially wrote it with two big sections. The first section was the, is the blessing section. And the second section is the behavior section. And he wrote this letter and, and he started with the blessing section. And the way the blessing section kind of plays out is that 
when one of your friends who's not yet following Jesus asks you, tell me why you follow Jesus. Like, what's the benefits? Because you've read the blessing section, you've been exposed to Paul's long list of the ridiculously awesome blessings associated with following Jesus. And so you start telling your friend, and your friend like, wow, really? Yeah. And they, and they think you're done, but you're, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. So you start telling them that how, how because you've decided to make Jesus your Lord from God's perspective, you're in Christ. Your life is connected to him. You've been forgiven. His, 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 his blood has washed your sins free. When God looks at you because you've asked forgiveness, your sins are being washed clean. God looks as, at me as being as white as snow. And your friend's like, wow, clean and forgiven. That sounds too good to be true. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Then, then get this. Get this. When I turned to, to make a decision to start following Jesus, I discovered he'd been running to me the whole time. Not just running to me, he was running to me with a robe, a royal robe, and he put that on me. Then, to quote the prophet Beyonce, he put a ring on it. You can't believe it. It's the ring of the family of the king. He put the ring, and then, and then having got the robe and the ring, he put me on a, on, a, on a seat in heaven. I'm seated in heavenly places with God and with Jesus. And your friend's like, Wow, yeah, I know, I know, but wait, 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 wait. Then Paul starts, then, then Paul writes the longest uninterrupted sentence in the entire Bible. It's like calling out to the guards, a new quill, please. This one's getting a little blunt. May I have some more ink, please? I haven't finished this sentence. Because he starts going on about how God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can even ask for or imagine. Wait, 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 wait. I can't put a comma there. Certainly not a full stop. There's more. And he goes on. And you're reading this. And now you're telling your friends what, what God can do infinitely and abundantly more than I can even ask for or imagine. So all the things that I've been asking for or imagining, God actually doesn't limit that. He actually goes beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that blessing section, man. Sure glad I read that. And then he gets onto the behavior section. And the behavior section is great stuff too. But here's what I want you to understand. It's not a coincidence that Paul started with the blessing section before moving on to the behavior section. In my experience, I've met too many people who start with the behavior stuff. And they'll tell you that if you just stop doing a bunch of stuff, then maybe God will love you. And if you, if you uh, get your life sorted out, then, then God will bless you. It's like God's keeping score. Supernatural Santa Claus. Keeping tabs on who's been naughty and who's been nice. And yet that's not where the blessing starts. Because if it was, then that suggests to me that you're the source of the blessing. And you're not that smart. And nor am I. That God begins it. 
by, by, by forgiving us and washing us clean. He then puts a robe and a ring and seats us in heaven. He then tells us that from this seat, being in Christ, you, God can do in you and through you exceedingly and abundantly, more than you can even ask for. Wow. But here's the thing. <coughs> when we get a revelation of our nobility, when we get a revelation that we are a son and a daughter of the king, it's on that revelation that hopefully should inspire us to want to live like royalty, to want to do the sort of things that sons and daughters of royalty do. That it's not, I want to do these things hoping that the king will approve of me. No, no, the king gave you the robe and the ring and the seed. Now out of that, we be inspired receiving his promises hopefully make us want to pursue his plans. And, 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 and working out of this notion of nobility is very different from working out of the notion that we're fearful slaves in the house of the king. Very different perspectives. And this is what I want to drop us into. This comes with an exclamation mark, so I'm going to shout. If Paul had the bold feature on his tablet at the time, he would have bolded this section. Wake up from your sleep! I'll, I'll just... Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light, exclamation mark. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge drafts of him. This is the British version. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our master, Jesus Christ, out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. This, my friends, is a rumble strip. When we read this, this is Paul saying, because when you're behind the wheel and you start to doze off and you start to drip, you can be thankful for the rumble strips because the rumble strips are advanced notification of impending devastation. That if you keep going in that direction, there's devastation. So the rumble strips send you the sort of text message your mom sends you when she hasn't seen you for a while, all caps. You're going in the wrong direction. That's what a rumble strip tells us. You're moving in the wrong direction. Wake up from your sleep. Because here's the thing. Drifting happens. It requires no skill. And it's very rarely the result of intention. I actually don't ever recall someone saying to me, Mark, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start drifting away from God's plans and promises. 
Here I go. Woohoo! No. It requires no skill and no intention. All it requires for us to start drifting is to get distracted, to lose focus, to not pay attention, to get tired, and worst case scenario, fall asleep at the wheel. So I thank God for rumble strips. In fact, let me back this up a little. Before Paul yells out, wake up from your sleep, climb out of your coffins, Christ, he, he, he called them out, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work. Are you busy? Yeah, I'm busy. Are you busy? Are you busy? Are you busy? Are you busy? Worst question ever. The barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those floors and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. Now, here's the thing. If you're drifting, by the way, you are, unless you're already perfect, in which case, God bless you. Don't come back next week. We're wasting your time. And you're sitting in someone else's seat. Because unless you're perfect, you are drifting, as am I. There is something or some things that you're drifting in. In other words, there is a very, very, very pure and focused line that God's called us to, and none of us are on it. Not in every area of our lives. The problem is, though, when you're drifting, you're often not actually aware of it. But thank God for rumble strips. And so I can't even tell you what they are. I mean, a few of you I can if we're kind of tight and, 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 and I've got a kind of little bit more of insight on, on, on an area of your life. I, God might use me or he might use someone in your sphere to give you a little nudge and, and, and they, are, they become the rumble strip. They go, hey, listen, do you know? But the point is, over these four weeks, there are going to be rumble strips because there are areas where you're drifting and I'm drifting. And I don't know what they are, but let me give you a little leg up. Could it be that you're drifting in your finances, that you've developed the 21st century Western society habit of spending more than you earn? If so, you're drifting towards debt and ultimately financial devastation. Are you drifting in your nutrition. You know what they say, a slice of cake a day keeps the... No, they don't say that. <laughs> slice of cake a day keeps the diabetes away. No. And if you're not paying attention to what you eat and everything you eat comes with a barcode, you are drifting towards health problems. That's just the reality. It's not a judgment call. I'm trying to make you feel awkward. What about your marriage? You might be drifting in your marriage. Well, not divorced yet. Yeah, but that's not like the goal, to just stay married. The goal is to grow in love and in your marriage. Maybe you're drifting in your thinking. You've allowed toxic thoughts or, or, or low-level thoughts, less than God's best thoughts, and drifting in your thinking. Maybe drifting in your words. You used to be words of faith and, and optimism and life, and, but now you find yourself bitter and cynical and jaded and gossipy and talking. Maybe drifting in your relationship with God. You know, Paul talks about here, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work. The, the, our calendars as followers of Jesus should look different 
from people who aren't following Jesus, we sh- our calendars should reflect a different set of priorities and a different value system. So some of the things that God calls us to do, He doesn't call people who don't follow Jesus to do yet. But if we're not doing them, well, then we're drifting. And drifting never gets us where we intend to go. So when's the last time you ever fell asleep at the wheel and woke up neatly parked in your garage and you thought to yourself, how did I get here? Because it doesn't work that way. You're going to be neatly parked in the emergency room and be thinking to yourself, how did I get here? I'll tell you how you got there. You ignored the rumble strip. So drifting happens and guess what? Driving takes work. When it comes to driving, when it comes to pointing our life towards God's plans and God's purposes in order to experience his promises, which is already given to us, but he doesn't guarantee we're going to get there because we have to point our lives in the direction that he's called us to, driving takes work. And I didn't know this. When I was 17 and I... uh, phoned up Jeeves Driving School and the instructor turned up in my driveway in High Wycombe in his Holden Gemini and he mistakenly allowed me to get in the driver's side because that, I guess, was ultimately the point. I thought that all I needed to do was get in that car and start driving and then I just go in a straight line for the rest of my life. What I soon discovered after quite a few terrorizing moments for my driving instructor, was that driving takes work. Driving takes constant vigilance. Driving requires us to be constantly adjusting because drifting happens. Even if we don't know it, even if we didn't intend it, drifting happens. You need to pay attention with your career because drifting happens. Pay attention with our marriages because drifting happens happens. Pay attention with your kids because drifting happens. Pay attention with your finances because drifting happens. Pay attention with your health, your thoughts, your words, who you're allowing to influence you. Pay attention to following Jesus because drifting happens and driving takes work. But guess what? Thank God for rumble strips. Because when we're drifting, the loving Father says to us, Because our loving Father knows that we can't correct what we can't detect. And if we're drifting and we're not aware that we're drifting, a not loving Father would just leave us to keep drifting. And we'd hit the rumble strips and we'd go straight past them. Or worse still, he wouldn't even put rumble strips in place in the first place. But he does. God loves and God corrects those he loves. Because he doesn't want us to experience the ultimate devastation that drifting will invariably find us at. But here's the thing. And let me put on my Captain Obvious hat for a minute. I don't expect to score many points with what I'm about to say. For I don't even expect any of you to say, wow, profound. Because what I'm about to say is not very profound. What I'm about to say is is, is so obvious that it's almost going to be embarrassing to say it. In fact, I probably should have just edited this from my notes entirely because, like, you'll you'll understand when I say it. You'll be like, really? You wasted 90 seconds of my life telling me that? 
But he, he goes anyway. <laughs> Rumble strips don't correct you. They merely warn you of something that needs correcting. Rumble strips, superpowers, <laughs> are limited to warning. Job's done. The correction phase is optional. <laughs> it's optional. It's up to you. You could just keep riding that rumble strip, and you know, initially it's novel. But after a while, not really. You could just ignore it, hoping it'll go away. <laughs> like, really? How does that work? You could just blow straight over it because it's just a rumble strip. And if you keep drifting, eventually you'll get on the other side of that rumble strip and there's no more rumble strip. So you've solved the problem. That annoying rumble strip that's been bothering you because it's so annoying. You've now solved the problem because you just went straight over it and, and kept going. No more rumble strip. <laughs> Genius. Rumble strips don't correct they merely warn. And what I'm sincerely praying for, sincerely praying for, and, and by the way, I've already warned some people here this morning that, that I know are going through some kind of fast-tracked transformation, that, that this is actually, potentially, when you're actually already responding to the rumble strips, this, this has the potential to feel like, and you're not there yet, you, you're still... You haven't got the power steering. You've got the old Holden Gemini steering. Yeah. But, you're, but you're working on it. You've heard the rumble strip and you're responding and you're course correcting. You said this, this, this. I don't want you to feel like this is condemnation, what we're talking about. That was never Paul's intent. It's not my intent and it's not ever been God's intent of why he corrects. He corrects those he loves. Because warning strips warn us but the correction comes to us so i'm sincerely praying that we as a church individually and together over these four weeks use this as actually a growth spurt that god would take his light of love and shine it into your life and expose in your life and mine an area or maybe more than one but you know Sometimes one's enough, like, come on, God, <laughs> throw me a bone here. <laughs> it's just one, all right? And use this series and use what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus to actually speak to us, to, to actually cause us over these four weeks to both think and pray and ask God and make sure, make sure you're listening And that you would hear where we need to hear it. And then that we would have the obedience, courage, strength from God in our lives to respond to that. And to say, thank you, Jesus, for the rumble strip. I'm going to get back and pay attention 
to where you've called me to go. So I want to pray for us right now. I'm not going to get you to stand. I'm going to be maybe a little naive to assume we're all going to get in with this. If you're in, just open your heart right now. If you're in, four weeks of hitting a rumble strip and responding. Because you're already drifting. Like, I'm not going to pray that you drift. You're already drifting. It's already taken care of. But the, the warning and the correction, let me pray for that. God, I thank you that you correct those you love. I thank you that we first know that you love us. That you actually, your goal isn't punishment, but us experiencing your plans and your purposes and you wanting to warn us when any aspect or aspects of our lives are actually drifting away from your plans and your purpose. So God, over these four weeks, as we read your word, as we pray and as we listen and as we come together in our Elevate groups and as a church, that we would hear the rumble strips and that we would have the sense and the courage and be imbued with your strength and that comes from your Holy Spirit to actually make the corrections, to take the appropriate action, to respond, to see that area or those areas of our lives getting back, pointed in the direction of your promises so that we would experience better, that we as sons and daughters of the king would experience what life looks like and the reality of living as nobility in Jesus It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.